Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand, and they'll bring you one. Hold your hand up, and they'll bring that to you. Acts chapter 8, we're going to be starting at verse 9. We're going to be going through verse 24. Acts chapter 8, verse 9. It says, Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God. They sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, He offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you, for you have for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. It's one thing to believe in something. And it's another thing to act on that belief. I believe going to the gym is good for you. I really do. And you might believe that also. Yeah, if I went to the gym, it would be good. But I got to tell you the truth. I haven't been going to the gym. And it's one thing to believe something and it's another thing to act on that belief. There's a man named Ken Davis who spoke about when he was in school, he was making a presentation, and he was talking just about, he called it the law of the pendulum, about gravity and how the gravity affects friction and gravity will affect a pendulum so that it never returns back to the same point. And in front of the classroom, he set up this structure, and he got a tennis ball with this five-foot rope, and he put it there, and he dropped the tennis ball, and then he marked how every time the tennis ball came back, it was lower and lower and lower until eventually it came to that equilibrium and it just stood there. And he explained the law and asked if everyone believed the law of the pendulum, and they said yes, and the teacher said yes, that's very good. 
And he asked the teacher, do you really believe that? He said, yes, I do. And he goes, well, would you come here and be a part of this next experiment? And he said, sure. And he took off the tennis ball and he strapped on this large bowling ball. And he said, okay, come here and stand up. And he had the teacher stand up and he, he swung the bowling ball up. And he goes, now put your nose right against the bowling ball. And the teacher stood there and goes, do you believe the law of the pendulum? And he said, yeah, I do. And he goes, okay. And he let the bowling ball go. And it swung away from him, and it started swinging back, and the teacher backed away. Of course, it didn't come to that same height, but then he asked the classroom, did the teacher believe in the law of the pendulum? And they said, no, he didn't. You see, I believe it until I have to put my face against a bowling ball, and then I don't know. I don't know if I trust. Well, he knew the law was there, but he didn't have faith in it. He didn't trust in it to the point where he would put his life on the line, so to speak, or his face on the line. Well, Simon believed. But this belief didn't sink deep enough into his life. And we have some indications of why. It says in verse 9 that he boasted that he was someone great. Well, he had this acclaim from the people. Everyone looked to him, both high and low, it says. He had this presence about him that everyone liked him and and followed him and thought of him as the great power. It's like the great Houdini or whatever. He was some magnificent person and he liked that prestige, no doubt. And now whether his magic was that of spiritual divination or whether it was just trickery, we, we can't be... Certain, I believe it was more trickery because he sought to buy the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's something that's kind of common with, you know, magicians. It's like, oh, I'll buy that trick off of you. You know, give me $3,000 and I'll teach you how to make your kids disappear, you know. I can trick you in this way if I buy that. And so I believe it was trickery, but he liked this prestige. And all of a sudden, Philip comes into town and everyone starts listening to him. And he's doing great works through the power of God. And the people are following him. Well, Simon's following just got diminished. All of a sudden, people aren't after him as they used to be. They're not acknowledging him. And then it says that he became a believer and was baptized. And that all sounds really good until you start reading further on in the story. And then you see he wants to buy this gift so that he can utilize it for his purposes. And you say, okay, something is wrong. Something happened. His belief didn't change his life. And what's important to understand in our own lives, and I believe that God wants us to understand in this passage, is that it's possible to believe, but not be a part of God's family. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds. Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accomplished 
by action, with, if not accomplished by action, accompanied by actions, sorry, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Last verse 19, it says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Demons believe. They tremble. It's not enough to believe. And a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. And it stops right there. It doesn't affect their life. And what good is a faith that doesn't affect your life? It's the same as no faith at all. I believe, but it has no influence on me. Well, demons believe and they tremble. Belief is not enough if it is a belief that is not accompanied by a surrender of the will. And what's important for us to understand is that it, God doesn't want just your recognition of who he is. What God wants is the reliance on him for who he is. He wants you to trust in him. He wants your belief in him to affect your actions. That shows that what you believe is being applied to your life. He wants you to go to the gym, so to speak. He wants you to take that next step of what you heard. Okay, I believe that's true. Okay, now start living your life on that. Because it's not enough to believe. If we don't recognize this area of our lives, it could be the difference of where we spend eternity. Because there will never be one demon in heaven, but they believe. Paul, when he is talking to the Corinthian church and addressing them concerning the communion table, in 1 Corinthians 11.31, he says, if you judged yourselves, you would not come under judgment. In other words, if you make the proper decisions yourself, then there's not going to be another judgment upon you. If you deal with this circumstance in the right way, then you don't have to worry about God's judgment upon you. And the same thing is true here. If you deal with this recognition of where you are really at, then God's judgment doesn't need to come upon you. If you believe and it affects your life and you judge this area, then don't worry about it. You're not going to fall under God's judgment. But if you have a belief that doesn't affect your life, and you don't judge that, then you need to be careful because then you will fall under God's judgment. There was a teacher named Stephen Belinsky. He held a PhD in philosophy from Notre Dame. And as he would get before his class, he would set a jar filled with beans And he would ask the class, I want you to guess how many beans are in this jar. Just take a guess. And so everyone in the class would go up there and they'd put their name on the board and they'd put their guess of how many beans were in that jar. 
And then he asked them, on the other side of your name, I want you to write your favorite song. So they'd write their favorite song, you know, Stairway to Heaven or whatever, you know. And so he had this list of their guess of how many beans and how many, what their favorite song was over here. At the end of this, after everyone wrote out, he would tell them the number of beans that were actually in the jar and they would see, okay, who was closest to that number? Oh yeah, Joey, you had, you had the closest number. And, And then he would ask them, okay, now what is, you know, the best song? What is the best song that's up there? Okay, we know it's not country, so we can re- no, I'm just kidding. We, what is the best song that is up there? And they'd say, well, that's not fair. You can't tell what the best song is. That's a matter of preference. It's a matter of what you like. The beans, it, it's something that's solid. It, we know what the right answer is, but this is a matter of preference. And then he asked them, your belief in God, is it more closely related to how many beans are in the jar or is it more closely related to your favorite song? And they would say, well, I think it's more like my favorite song. It's more a matter of preference. And you see what what happens so many times is our belief becomes something that moves with us to our convenience. I have belief in God. Uh, I believe him in this area that, you know, you should be kind to people, but I don't believe him in this area about honesty, even though they're kind of related, uh, because right now I really need, you know, the extra money for taxes, so I'm going to be a little deceptive over here. You know, I believe in God over here, but right now I don't believe in this. And so we start picking and choosing what our faith is, and it's really just a matter of preference. And so what we have is a belief that is not something that is solid, is not something that is factual, is something that just moves with us whatever we want to do. And it's more closely to relate. Well, my faith in God is like my favorite song. Well, this week it's... This song, next year, who knows what it'll be? Who knows what my belief will be next year and how it will affect my life because it's really a matter of my preference. And it's no belief at all. It's no faith at all. It's not something that's certain. It's not something that's sound. It's not something that affects your life. It's not the standard that is true. It's just something you give assent to for whatever reasons. Simon's reasons were because Philip was in town and it looked good and he was amazed at what was going on and he wanted to be a part of what was happening. And then he says, I want to buy that. I I want in on this. And maybe with us, it's I I want in on, on heaven. You know, sometimes I see these Christians and there's a peace about them. There's a life that, yeah, I want in on that. How much does it cost? What do I have to do? Oh, do I have to go to church on Sunday? Okay, I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll give you that much. And then when the truth comes down, well, no, it's going to cost you your life. You're going to have to put your nose to the ball. You're going to have to have faith in it completely. It's like, oh, well, maybe not. And it's similar to the parable that Jesus gave about the seed, the sower, 
who sowed the seed and it fell on the various grounds. It fell on the rocky soil. It fell on the thorns. It fell among the weeds. It fell on good soil. It depended on their heart whether it would grow or not, whether they would allow the cares of the world to choke it out or not, the cares and riches. It really depended on what was the priority of their lives. And so judge yourself here. What is the priority of your life concerning Jesus Christ and who he is? What is it? You need to make that decision. It's not mine to make. It's not your mom's. It's not your husband or wife's. It's your decision. What is it? What do you really believe? Because as Simon was walking in this way and following along, there was something amiss. It did not sink into his life as it should. And so Peter caught him and they said, your heart is not right before God in verse 21. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. You're not seeing things clearly. You need to pray and you need to change. Is your life seeing things clearly? Or do you need to change? Is there another step? You know, I just got to get up in the morning. I got to I gotta get to the gym. Otherwise, my belief in it doesn't really do anything for me. It's just talk. What is that? It's meaningless. It's like the air. It has no effect on my life. I believe going to the gym is good. I believe going to the gym is good. Yeah, everybody, let's say it together. We believe joining. Yeah. If we don't go to the gym... And we just go to the dinner table and go out to eat and dessert. I believe going to the gym is good. I believe going to the gym. I got to sit down. I'm tired. You know, I believe going to the, it doesn't matter. It's not affecting our lives. It's not doing anything. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe God loves you. I believe God loves you. Okay. So, so I'm going to spend time with him. So I'm going to take time and I'm going to read the scriptures and allow them to influence my life. So I'm going to take time and I'm going to pray. So I'm going to help those who are in need like James talks about and put some shoes on this belief of mine. I'm going to do things that I know God wants me to do. I'm going to stop doing the things I know God doesn't want me to do. I'm going to take the next step because... I really do believe. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, we're going to start at verse 15. Matthew 7:15 Jesus says, "Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit." 
A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What is your life producing? You know, we read stories like this and we can get, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what, 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 what's my life doing? Well, yesterday I, I did this. That wasn't good. Oh, I must be a bad, bad fruit, a bad tree. Yeah. I must not be bearing right fruit. And we want to take a snapshot. And it depends on when you catch us, you know. Hey, catch me now, God. I'm doing something good. Click. Okay, good. Catch me now. No, not now, God. You know, and there's the picture, and we start having this, oh, no, what what am I? Am I doing something good or or bad? What is it? But don't think of it as a snapshot. Think of it as a, a video of your life. Because the difference is what your life is producing, not just what the moment is producing. Because sometimes a, a sheep will fall into the mud. But then you can get them out and you can hose them down or whatever you do with sheep, I don't know, to clean the mud off. And it's just a sheep that fell in the mud. But you see, a pig, a pig lives in the mud. And there's a difference because if you were to film the sheep, oh, there he fell in the mud. Oh, he's back again. He's up. He's grazing. He's doing, oh, he fell in the mud. Okay, he's back again. And you would see that the, the sheep is not trying to stay in the mud, but he's trying to move away and graze, be with the shepherd. The pig, oh, there he is. He's in the mud. Oh, let's get him out of there. He's in the mud. Oh, let's get, oh, he, he, he lives in the mud. What are you? A cute little sheep? Or pig. <laughs> what do you want to be? Because a sheep might fall in the mud, but he doesn't live there. Where are you living? What is your life producing? It's not enough to believe if your life isn't bearing fruit. Judge yourself. What is your life producing? And here is the great, great news. This is what should put a smile on your face and put hope in your heart is that you can make the choice right now what you want to do. You can say, you know what, my life isn't what it should be. I I am like Simon. I'm just following along, but it hasn't penetrated deep within my heart. I want that to be a part of my life then it can. You can make the choice and make that jump from pighood to sheephood. I love the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. The little guy's up in the sycamore tree and Jesus says, Hey, Zacchaeus, I need to go to your house. 
kid scoots on down. Goes into the house. He's entertaining Jesus and all the Pharisees are upset. If he knew what kind of guy that Zacchaeus was, he was a, a tax collector. He was robbing people. He is a thief. He ripped people off. Zacchaeus, man, he owes me money. And at the end it says Zacchaeus told Jesus, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor. And if I have robbed anyone, I'm going to give him four times the amount. And Jesus said, salvation has come into this house. Why? Because he changed. Because the wrong that he was doing, ripping people off, he said, I don't want to do it anymore. And Jesus said, ah, salvation has come. There's been a change in his heart. What was his life? What was his priority? Getting money, doing this, was no longer his life. And he was going to give away the thing that once meant so much to him. What are you holding on to? What means the most to you? And if it's not something that is honoring God or pleasing God, are you ready today to say, I give it up? I surrender it, God. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to believe and have a belief that takes me into that relationship with you that changes my life. That's what salvation is. It's making a change. Repent. Turning around. Turning away from that life and turning into this new life. And you see, Simon knew this is what he wanted. It looked good. I want this. I want this. But he didn't know how to get it, so he went back to his own means. I want this life. I want what you have. But I think I'll do it this way. And he says, no, you need to change. You need to change, Simon. You can't do this. You can't buy the gift of God. It's not purchased. You need to give up your pride. God rejects the proud, gives grace to the humble, James tells us. You need to stop that, Simon. Quit worrying about your prestige, what people are going to think of you. Get rid of that. Simon says, pray that that happens. We don't know what happened to Simon. That's the last we hear of him. But the story is there for our sake. The story is there so that we can judge ourselves. And where do you want to live and the pastures of God are in the mud of this world. What do you want to do? Because it, it's our choice. And if you fall in the mud, do you care? Or do you say, yeah, this is fine. I like it here. Or do you say, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? I got to get out. Does it break your heart? Where do you want to call home? Because the choice is up to us. And if you want to make a choice, I want to believe God and live in that pastor that he has for me. Then recognize and judge yourself where you're at right now. Because you're the only one who really knows. You can fool people. You can fool your husband, your wife, your mom, your dad. They don't know what's going on in your heart. They don't know where you want to go. They don't know the mud you're getting into. Maybe they do. But God knows where you want to be. 
So judge yourself. Where do you want to be? Make the changes that need to be made. Take the step and say, okay, God, I am trusting and believing in you. I'll put my nose to the wheel and I'm going to walk in that direction. I'm going to follow after you because that's what I want. And by taking that step, that recognition, this is what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. This is what it takes to believe. It takes more than saying the words. It takes stepping into it with your life so that it has an effect on your life. Don't be deceived. Don't be blind. Judge yourself. Where are you? Don't hear those words, I never knew you. You went to church, I know. I saw you, but I never knew you. I have a gym membership. It has my name on picture on it. If I walk in there, they say, who are you? Look, it's me. I got my membership. I'm a gold member. We don't know you. How do you work that machine anyway? You're not here very often, are you? (laughs) That's the scaffolding. Get out of there, you know. (laughs) When you know, you you go there. You're a part of that. Be a part of what God is doing. Judge yourself so that you are not judged. Let's pray. Father, there can be such a a fine line between believing and believing and trusting. And yet, the distance between that fine line is eternity. It's huge. The difference is night and day to where we really are at. And Father, in all reality, there are some who are here today who believe, like Simon, but have not trusted, who don't live, whose lives aren't producing fruit. And the videotape of of their lives shows them staying in the mud instead of trying to move forward. Lord, we know you know who they are, but I, I pray they would know who they are. Lord, that your spirit would convict us of that complacency, of that not caring, of making our relationship with you one of preference or choice instead of it being a solid foundation that we live by. And if someone recognizes that in themselves, Lord, you are there to receive them and to help them into that relationship with you. 
so that their belief can produce a life that lives in your presence. And I thank you again, Lord, for revealing these things to us. I pray you do a continued work in our lives that would produce fruit for your glory and your honor. Thank you again, Lord, in Jesus' name.